sir. Driven Society Podcast. This is Franz Bowen. This is Trav Weeks. Yes, sir. In with another episode of the Driven Society, formerly known as Driven Minds Podcast. Bury five tries. There you go. <laughs> right. Name changes. We, we like Diddy out here. <laughs> Word, yo. So today we got another ill guest, uh, uh, Mr. Aaron Dolores, the uh, founder of uh, Black Arrow FC. Yo, what up? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. No yep. doubt, no doubt. And we also joined by the homie. The good brother. The good Boy, brother. Oh, what's good, y'all? It's mm, been a minute JB. since I've been on the podcast with y'all. I know, right? But what's up, man? Yo. Glad to be here at Red Bull. This is, a, this is a very nice. Yeah, <laughs> a- absolutely, man. Um, Even the conversations we're having is, you know, you know, we like to set the platform for innovators and the culture across all different spaces. That's why it's it's important we talk about this talking just like the global phenomenon of the soccer soccer culture Thanks. and Work. why that's you know super dope and like checking out different pockets of influencers and movers in this space and Aaron is definitely one of them man Aaron please tell the people about the platform you have um you know why'd you get started and you know where you're from yeah for sure so I'm from Oakland California okay um, and just last year I launched the brand called Black Arrow FC Mm. which is a lifestyle brand focusing on the intersection of soccer and black culture. So, um, you know, I wasn't even actually into soccer um, until like maybe just like a year and a half ago. Um, But in 2014, I went on a trip to Europe with some of my friends just for fun to party during the World Cup, Mm. um, which was in Brazil. And um, we decided we were going to go to Europe um, and time each country that we went to so that we were there when that country was having their World Cup game. Mm-hmm. Um, what so, countries? So we started in Croatia. Nice. And then we went to Italy, um, uh, Switzerland, and Germany. So okay. nice. uh, the very first game of the World Cup in 2014 was Croatia versus Brazil. Mm-hmm. And we were in Croatia, um, had been there for a few days, drinking, partying, whatever. Summer's fun out there, too. Oh, it's amazing. You know, that's where they film Game of Thrones. So if you just want to think what it, what it looks like out there. Um, and we were in the small town called Pula that has a ancient Roman Colosseum. So mm-hmm. it's right across the water from um, Italy. So it ha- they have one of the most well-intact uh, Roman Colosseums that are left. Mm. And the night before the match, um, the mayor had decided to show the game in the Colosseum. Mm. Um, so, you know... I don't know shit about soccer. Wait, can we curse on this? Yeah, okay. thing, bro. Um, I don't. I didn't really know shit about soccer. I was just there for like party, hang out, or whatever. Um, you know, fifteen thousand people pile into this like ancient, you know, coliseum. There's a projector in there, and you know, it's like nine o'clock at night. You know, right on the water, uh, sun just set, and uh, you know, Croatia actually scored first in that game, so flares are going off like everyone's going crazy and i'm like i'm looking at this shit like wow like how was the wine <laughs> the wine <laughs> I, we were drinking everything i don't know what we were drinking <laughs> they didn't have that dornish at the time but um, <laughs> no nah, that was just my moment where i was like i think i've been missing something mm-hmm. you know i think like as an american um we have this uh, idea a perspective that soccer isn't Um, cool or it's not Mm -hmm. like a dope sport or whatever especially as a black person uh, the perception is that it's not um, it's not for us yeah why is it why is it soccer have been integrated like it's a global like I think it's the uh, it's the biggest sport in the world right like by far and you know um, soccer has you know so much influence from 
um, black multicultural culture and whatnot. Um, why why is it hasn't it integrated that pop culture space in America yet? Like it seems like it's on the line, but it just hasn't really broken through yet. Because I just got started. Yeah, talk that. <laughs> um, nah, well, I think it's it, it. It depends. You can trace it back to like um, some old Cold War era stuff when we were hating Europeans and calling it like a pussy sport. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a time where America was trying to puff its chest to the world, like, "Yo, mm-hmm. this is how we get down." Whatever. Um, and obviously, um, you know, black folks here have always basketball and football, and early on, um, baseball. So. Um, what a lot of people will talk about now is just the development of the sport. It's very expensive to play, mm. um, which is not how it should be. Of course, internationally, kids just play in the street with like a rock or, um, you know, a cone or whatnot. Garbage but, cans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, aside from that, like, can you talk about? Well, just a backtrack. Were you did you grow <laughs> up like an athletic person? Because you're you're from like Oakland, California, has so much history when it comes to um you know the not only the african american experience but like the is it diaspora or diaspora? yeah diaspora the diaspora as well right so it's like the mecca of you know um the social the, movement the west mm-hmm. coast social movement black panthers and stuff like that yeah and reading your mission statement you know it has a lot to do with like community building can you talk a little bit about like the community building aspect and also like what drove you to soccer since you weren't like even like interested yeah yeah um, you know, after that trip, I kind of sat on it for a few years and I was reading between the lines because I was kind of in this space of knowing that the soccer industry here was looking to attract black people for one, mm. both both as players and as consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, <clears throat> um, you know, I just kind of was thinking of it from con- almost like an, an ad agency perspective of like, um, how could I help? the soccer industry kind of what what are some of the things they could be doing between creating content and events that actually Mm. um, create that um, bridge for for black folks Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't really have a a way to influence anyone in soccer to get them to listen to me other than being black um, which is was not enough Um, but so I was like you know what I got to build this shit myself Mm -hmm. and I got to create a following and a movement and build a community so that I have something to connect in with and that they can say, okay, I, I believe you now because mm-hmm. they don't believe you when you're black until you've already done so much. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So um, I played soccer when I was um, younger, but it was just like a recreational sport. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, the thing about Europe is you grow up and you, you're living right around the corner from a stadium that 80,000 mm-hmm. people pile in mm-hmm. every week. Just even that alone, like the the like the visuals of soccer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what we probably think of it as is like an empty, you know, American football field where the soccer team would go play and soccer moms and all that type of stuff. Right. So um, when I was young, I thought of soccer as just like a way to stay fit, and it was um, a Mexican sport because mm. a lot of Mexicans. So um, <clears throat> I didn't know anything, you know, else about it, but. Um, as far as like the the social justice in Oakland and, and kind of the community thing, the um, when I really started researching it, and it was I was actually looking for the name Black Arrow. I was I had been researching for like a month, and one night I stayed up all night just like, you know, when you're trying to like do something creative, you just Google stuff, and then you mm-hmm. kind of keep Worm following hole. leads to see where what might pop up. Mm-hmm. And um, I found out that um, Gil Scott Heron's father, 
yeah. was a um, professional soccer player. I thought that was oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Super yeah. interesting. Yeah. Were you a fan of uh, you a fan of Gil Scott Heron, or you was just doing research and realizing? Um, I I was a fan as far as like knowing you know the revolution would not be televised in his music, but mm-hmm. I wasn't like um, you know the dude that was going to like slam poetry nights and do it you know all that type of stuff is which is another kind of testament to what we've been doing like i've i've researched him and his music and his poetry a lot more after i'm mm. um, knowing that but um just hearing his the story about his father so his father was born in jamaica um came to the u.s and gave birth to gil scott here in, in detroit um and was playing and this is in like the 40s right so this is like um, obviously, like a long time ago, way before um, you know anything that we know about, um, where no black people were playing soccer is what I'm saying. So um, he ended up getting scouted by his father. Ended up getting scouted by the Celtic, which is like one wow. of the biggest teams in Europe. Um, they play in Scotland, and um, he at became, that time they were booming too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he became the first black player to play for this team in Scotland. Right. Um, and because he was fast, the fans had nicknamed him Black Arrow. Oh, like his, oh like, nice. Which is, you know, it's, that's just like, it's, it's funny. Yeah. But, um, you know, so I was like, wow, like, <clears throat> how separated am I from my own mm. history to not even know some of these things? Like, as an African-American, I think, like, we have turned off soccer in a way that's like pretty incredible considering it's the world's biggest sport. It's so crazy. It's so um, crazy. And then, you know, researching the Celtic and kind of finding out that they've always been this very liberal organization. We're way ahead of their time in um, kind of like promoting gay rights and uh, diversity and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> what I had kind of picked up at this time was like, it seemed like every time in soccer I started researching something, mm-hmm. I would go down this rabbit hole and, um, you know, <clears throat> I was like, I, if nothing more than fascinated about just like how much I was missing. And I wanted, I was like, well, I, what, what mm-hmm. the fuck else am I missing? Right. You know, so, um, yeah, from there, you know, we, we launched the brand and um, started doing cool shit. So for me, like, I'm, um, I'm Beijing. So soccer was actually like, well, soccer and cricket was like the first sports that I really like, you know, thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Right, because every you know in the islands, the West Indies or whatnot, like football, you know they call it over there. Like you're gonna either be playing football or starting off with cricket. Now it's probably different. It's probably like people they probably balling out there. Yeah, <laughs> they dunking on somebody in Grenada. Uh, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron's everywhere. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But so when I moved, I lived there some when I was a kid. Right. So when I moved back to the states, back to New York um, and New Jersey, um, everything was basketball. Like I, I, I had to, it's like I had no choice but to fall in love with basketball. Like there was no community to like stay in that I was even, you know, vigilant of back then to really join and like keep up my, you know, the love I had for soccer and actually, you know, play and, and, and engage in soccer. How did you go about finding your soccer community, um, black soccer community in New York and beyond? Um, when I started um, Black Arrow, I would kind of just like research the landscape of the soccer community to find out what was out there right and um i was thinking along the lines of something like and one right Mm because it's like the model is already there about Mm -hmm. like how do you incorporate black culture into a sport right i think growing up as basketball we already know you get jada kiss you put them on the court get the squeaky thing going so Mm -hmm. (laughs) um 
the first two things that I realized was, one, there was already a lot of black fans in the United States that were into soccer. Um, and especially in California. Especially in California. And a lot of, like, um, you know, well-educated kind of cats that have, like, traveled the world or whatever. And um, so, you know, before kind of doing anything that was um, trying to turn people into soccer fans, I really focused on um, connecting with the current black fans um, mm. and just creating content. I mean, I, I got to say that, like, <clears throat> when I started this, I was like, I'm going to kick in the soccer industry's, like, door, like, all this racism, whatever, and I'm, we're going to be black or whatever. And then, like, all these white people come up to me like, yo, I love what you're doing, man. This is amazing. Like, we've been waiting for this. Mm. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, shit. I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more of, like, a battle or, in, you know, an adversarial thing. But, mm-hmm. um so I started kind of focusing on the current black fans. And then when we created content um, or we did events, we focused on, you know, the low hanging fruit of how do you build a bridge between black folks and soccer, right? So um, the first event that we ever did, we went to a San Jose earthquake game, um, which is in the Bay Area. So I threw like a brunch party at a bar in Oakland. Mm. I chartered a bus. Nice. Um, we got tickets all in the same section and we kind of promoted it as like, yo, we're going to have a brunch party. We're going to hop on a bus, play some music, and then we're going to end up at like the game. But that was like the last, you, you kind of didn't even really realize you're going to game until, you know, the end of when you're reading the marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than saying like, hey, yo, come out to San Jose versus the Colorado Rapids. So right? you gave them that experience beforehand. Yeah, for sure. So giving them that experience and like, we like to do shit together as groups. You know Did that I mean? stem from your trip where you were just like, had that aha moment? Um, no, I think it just stemmed from the fact like me, I think my power in this whole thing is like, I always keep in mind what it's like to not be into soccer because a lot of the people that are fully ingrained in the sport don't really understand how to communicate with folks that are not in it you know and a lot of times they get kind of mad or shitty like yo you don't know motherfucking this and that you know what i mean yo so (laughs) from day one i was like all right i always have to kind of remember um that um i remember watching the ticker on espn down at the bottom and you know it'd be talking about scores and like i didn't know what was a name what was a league Mm. what was a team what was a that's how i am now i came from you kind of feel embarrassed (laughs) yeah you look at it and it's kind of embarrassing so um and and Euro snobs have that that like stigma to them. People who are like, oh, you don't know, and and kind of in other sports, like, oh, you don't know about like Will Chamberlain, or even like now for our generation and you younger kids, like you don't know about AI or or Shaq. Like, true, true, true. shame on you. And in soccer, it's so daunting because it's national, right? Like you have ethnicities in the in the frame we're talking about speaking about a particular sport, but soccer is worldwide, right? So like, you could be a black boy from Oakland and love an Italian player or love a, a South African player who made it or love a Croatian player, right? And and you know those stories because of that. And unfortunately, when people are snobs to it, it's just like, oh, shame on you. You're almost uncultured. Yeah. And that's a that's a tough stigma to break across. Like, I can only imagine in, in communities of color that are, you know, behind on that. So right. I just wanted to, um, <clears throat> pardon me, ask a question in regards to, in terms of the language barrier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, largely why um, football so or soccer is so popular is because a great number of the individuals who are fans of it speak Spanish, right? So there's that lingual connection. 
um, a lot of people in our community, like, you know, there's a section that are bilingual, but for the most part, we only speak English. Have you uh, come across that as a barrier in any way or is has it become a bridge? <clears throat> no, it hasn't really been an issue. I mean, I think um, for some of this stuff that we have done, we just released a video um, from our time in Panama. So um, I went down to Panama City um, to be, so Panama qualified for their first ever World Cup, mm -hmm. right? So the World Cup's been around 80, 90 years. And um, this last one, they, it was their first time ever qualifying. Mm -hmm. This is a country that has a very like proud and strong um, soccer culture and stuff. So, um, <clears throat> you know, being down there and seeing other black people that speak Spanish and I mm -hmm. can't communicate with them, mm -hmm. that that's a little bit frustrating, but I feel like um, when you're, this is going to sound really corny, but when you're talking the language of soccer, like people, they'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. They know you're, you're communicating the people that love soccer. It's, it, it doesn't matter. You could be talking to a Serbian dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, and you, um, you know, what's wild. Like what you asked Franz, like I'm Colombian, right? And Colombians speak Spanish in their own dialect and so to speak, and they have their own idioms. It's a struggle as a Latino sometimes, like when I have to watch the Mexican announcers, like they, they'll call a ball a different thing or they'll call a winger a different thing. Like they just have little, and, and it, you have to adapt. But then like you become accustomed to that. And like, I guess that it, it you're making me realize that too. Like, damn, I, I do struggle sometimes even to listen. But then sometimes I'll watch like an Italian league game and Italian and Spanish are similar. And like all of a sudden now I can understand because I know what they're talking about. Oh, the, mm. the winger has a ball. That word means such and such or the striker has a ball or the keeper. And, and it's just interesting. Like mm. the language aspect of it is wild. Definitely. Yo, as you're, um, you know, observing the culture of football mm -hmm. and given our social uh, misgivings in mm. America, do you find, have you come across any type of like colorism or um, classism? It's big colorism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and to piggyback that, like, um, how do you feel about like even the, you know, it's a different type of football, but like the Kaepernick situation. Do you think if there's any type of like rub in soccer, do you think that, you know, that kind of um, that kind of uh, activism can translate into soccer to help the, you know, the pan African experience? Yeah. Soccer is actually one of the best platforms to do that because mm. um, a few things like globally soccer um, culture is completely connected with um, social movements, um, religions, um, um, labor movements, um, <clears throat> uh, social economic status. You know, a lot of the team, Manchester United is one of the biggest teams in the world, and they originally started as a team that was made up of um, the, the train company that was in that area. It was their, their employees that played. Um, and so the, the culture in soccer, um, as far as like, um, you know, <clears throat> speaking your mind and, and giving your, your voice is, is probably a better platform than, than any. I mean, you have teams overseas like the Celtic that are openly liberal and they'll go to, they'll go to games with like free Palestine, their fans will, a bunch of white fans up like free Palestine mm. type of shit. So, um. That's that. That's for that. And then, um, secondly, I think for anyone that 
doesn't currently follow soccer a lot, you hear a lot about the racism in soccer. Um, and it's definitely a big deal um, overseas, depending on in different pockets in England and um, in Italy, they throw bananas at, at folks too. Um, now in my mind, part of what we're doing is creating a solution to that because you wouldn't throw a banana at a nigga if, if we were in the stands there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so by creating um, a presence mm -hmm. and creating a space within this, um, you know, industry, it starts to, I'm not going to say solve, but it, it, it gives people a, a better um, understanding that, yo, we're here, we have a voice, um, you know. So <clears throat> there's a lot, there's other like microaggressions I was walking up. We did this big photo shoot for this new uh, jersey, PSG, and Jordan did a, um, if you look on our Instagram, did a big photo shoot for it. And um, I was walking down in New York the other day and I saw this dude with um, the jersey on. I was like, yo, nice jersey. And his girl says to me, like, do you even know what sport that is? Wow. And I'm like, <laughs> but actually I didn't just like a year and a half ago. But you know what I mean? It, mm. I think that the assumption was because I was black, I didn't I didn't know it. So wow. um, it, it goes a lot deeper than that for me, though. We did this video called Why Black Folks Love Arsenal. Hey, um, gang, I love gang. Arsenal. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So um, actually my homie uh, DJ MoMA had told me when I first started the brand, he and I were just like brainstorming. He was like, yo, you should do some shit on why black folks have Arsenal. One of and my so, favorite DJs too, by the way. What's that? One of my favorite DJs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And he's a, he's a big soccer fan. Mm -hmm. um, so I started researching it and kind of found out all this information about how, um, <clears throat> you know, this uh, South African player had retired in like the seventies and moved down to South Africa started Arsenal supporters group. And because he created so much, so many fans out there, they started showing it on TV. Mm -hmm. And it was the first major market in US, I mean, in Africa to show Arsenal. Mm -hmm. So that gave birth to a lot of um, Arsenal fans. And then as you get a little bit later, they had the, um, the Invincibles. So they had like the, you know, the run where they went um, undefeated. No, un undefeated. And- um, Only you know, time ever done. A lot of the players on their team, yeah, only time ever done. Wow. A lot of the players on their team were um, like Nigerian and from Cameroon and stuff. So that kind of created a ton of black fans in the um, home country of where those players were. And their manager who just got fired. Um, Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger. He retired. He didn't get fired. <laughs> he got pushed out. But um, <laughs> he... he uh, and Moma told me this. He was like, you know, he was the first manager to play like um seven or eight black players at the same time it, this was still at a time in europe when they weren't you know that mm -hmm. sprinkle a black dude in here or there but they mm -hmm. weren't rolling out like seven cats like right. that was like that was that that was like very visible well, um, it was out there counting them yeah exactly exactly so and then Thierry Henry, we know who he is he was kind of the first black um soccer player that really just penetrated our in america mm. um penetrated our mindset we were seeing him on tv and he came into play he's why i'm a fan he's why he's why i'm a fan for sure so um there's all these different reasons why black folks love arsenal but nobody had ever really kind of um <clears throat> uh, documented that and that led me into a whole other rabbit hole because when i tried to google you know was Tyrion was um arson wenger the first manager to play a bunch of black players the information wasn't there mm. and then 
the more and more I looked into it, I started realizing that our history as black people in soccer hasn't even not only been highlighted, but hasn't even been documented in the most academic form where it's just like, you got to write that shit down. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that made me feel like I was really on to, to something because, you know, here in America, we know the first time Jackie Robinson laid down a bunt and, true, you know, true. bought a, a Starburst or whatever, right? Like we've, we've really been able to, to track that. But in soccer, because there's been no black media outlets or anyone that has mm. been with a, this like focus, there's this whole history of African players and African American mm. players, and you know Howard won the the the, the college um, thing in the seventies. You know, it's like it's like all of our own history has really been un, undocumented, unresearched, and unhighlighted. So, mm. um, you know, that led me into being like, all right, this is um, that's why I named it Black Arrow because I wanted to make sure on the on the surface we present the brand as this like cool kid soccer thing right yeah but under that because that's what the sponsors want of course but under that we make sure to bring forward the stories and the mm. histories and the empowerment and stuff like that Incredible. Okay. educational components to it super dope where do you um for the brand black arrow like it's such a, a need for it right now especially with like um the soccer culture becoming more embedded into this american culture this lifestyle um, especially after this world, this last World Cup, I feel like it really made made a um, a, re a really uh, a big splash in the states. Um, what do you envision the agency growing to it? Would you guys have media doing media, where it's content? Mm -hmm. um, explain how you see the you know how the experience the is evolving. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, mm -hmm. so I said on a, a few different levels, which is um, from like. Um, a media standpoint, we just released our biggest project that I was saying in Panama, which was um, me and some of my homies, we went down to Panama and there's six Panamanian players that are in the um, Major League Soccer that are on their national team. So I hit up the MLS and I said, yo, can you send me all their jerseys? I'm going to go down to Panama and me and the crew are going to rock them around town as a way to just show love to... Um, you know, to Panama and the MLS or whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, and in the video, and while I was there kind of exploring um, the the Afro-Panamanian history um, and the culture and, and like, what does that mean? How do you trace that? Where does it come? Why are there black people there? Um, so it's a short documentary that we just released. Um, so from like a media standpoint, and right now we're working on a documentary in Kenya. Um, from a media standpoint, I compare it to this is going to be the worst comparison. So let me just get it through. Is um, barstool sports? Mm. You know, <laughs> they're like the white frat, you know, uh, right wing version of what we are looking to build out from a media standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like black and soccer, right? Just like I think that's a great comparison. They touch a straight nerve. Like you know, the type of person who goes to barstool versus the type of person who goes to ESPN. You know what I mean? Or like who watches Skip in the morning or who watches Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, the next part is, you know, we we did these travel trips. So we went to Columbia during the World Cup. Fire. We brought um, 32 African-Americans. Um, what part? We went to um, Cartagena Whoa. and Santa Marta. Oh, it's beautiful so, there. Um, kind of the idea of that was like... Um, 
you know, if you want to bring, if you want to get black folks into soccer, like you drop them off in Colombia during the World Cup, <laughs> and he'll tell you. Like, yeah, especially in that you, part of um, Colombia, is a lot of like on the Pacific side. There's just a lot of darker skinned Colombians live on the coast, mm, and and it's a vibe for <laughs> to sure. say the least. For sure. So we're kind of running parallel with that to the black travel movement, mm-hmm. and kind of giving it like a, a different element, a different spin on that. Nice. Um, to be able, so we you know kind of curated. Uh, trip of like eight days of um <clears throat> partying and um learning about afro-colombian culture wow. and um cartagena is um you know was the 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 city of cartagena was originally built as a slave port by Colonial. the spanish and um it was the, the biggest slave port in the america so um when the, the slave ships were coming over you know they was Colombia and then Central America and of course America and stuff. So the black people that are in that area are, you know, they're us. So mm. kind of the idea was to bring folks down there, show them soccer, have a good time, and kind of just like you get it a lot more when you're when you're down there. Um, and then eventually we'll start selling jerseys and stuff as other nice. elements of it. And um, you guys play? What's that? You guys play? Play soccer? When yeah. you was out there? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We did. We um connected in with this um with this nonprofit that works with um kids and kind of takes them off the streets and uses soccer as a way to teach them like life life lessons and stuff. It was actually a lot of Venezuelan kids um that were in this program because of what's going on in Venezuela, but um yeah, we played soccer. Um kind of we we made that a small part of the trip because I knew that people weren't going to spend a bunch of money to go down if you weren't already in the soccer, right. you know? Um, so with the brand, as much as we, as much as I can, we kind of focus on the culture of it and kind of these other things. There's already a lot of like leagues and, um, you know, there's like Harlem, Harlem FC and um, central Brooklyn and a lot of folks that are into playing soccer. We kind of focus on the, the lifestyle portion dope. of it. Dope. Sounds like dope. a dope ass experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we ask everybody who's on Driven Minds, Driven Society podcast, every guest that we have, we find them to be esteemed innovators. And we want to know what keeps you driven, what keeps you going, creating this platform, connecting this community together, what drives you? How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so before this, I started a company called Mixology. We threw parties and our, my tagline was the I've art heard of, of Mixology. Yeah. For yeah, sure. That's appreciate crazy. it. Appreciate it. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, hard working brother. We were creating a lot of kind con- doing a lot of things similar to what we, I'm doing now with Black Arrow. And this was in like I started this eight or nine years ago and our tagline was the art of diversity. And this was I this was at a time in the Bay Area where um because of you know the schools that I went to and the crews that I ran into, I had like the nightlife was very segregated. And I happened to have like a network where I could bring together like a diverse group of people, right? Mm-hmm. After throwing parties and doing this for eight years, it's all black people. So I'm I, I'm looking at this brand. I'm like, why are we the only ones that were looking for diversity? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. It, that wasn't what like oh well, let me pick up soccer. But when I when I decided that I wanted to start Black Arrow, I got really excited about being able to do something that was you know unapologetically black. Um, and that could, you know, maybe in certain ways influence um, how we're represented and, and our history. And, you know, <clears throat> I got an email from um, Gil Scott Heron's granddaughter wow. saying, like, yo, I love what you're doing. This is amazing. Like, my grandfather would be um, 
you know. That's incredible, man. Would be proud of it. So for me, it's like I felt like I touched my history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I actually, um, you know, felt it, you know, in that moment. Um, another moment was when we went to um, Columbia, we went to this uh, community called San Basilio um, El Palenque. And it's about 30 miles outside of Cartagena. I employ all of you guys to go one day. Oh, I'm going to take them. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Me and Natalia. <laughs> you know, as um, Cartagena was originally a slave port, um, this community was established in the 1500s um, by a group of slaves that had escaped um, um, Cartagena. And they went like just far enough where the Spanish couldn't come get them. And they actually came back and started freeing other sl- slaves from there. Mm. And this is like in the 1500s. So it's considered to be well, the first um, free um, community of black people in the West. Um, and wow. what's amazing is that um, they still hold on to a lot of their original um um, African culture. So some of their languages, some of their spirituality, um, the social structure, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And so <clears throat> I kind of discovered this. I had already been to Columbia and Cartagena, but I was just partying and stuff. And so when we, we went back and was researching, um, you know, what to do and what, what type of uh, African history might be t- taking place there, I found this uh, music group that was um, from this area. And, um, I hit them up like, yo, if we come, can we, you know, will you give us a tour? Because you know, when it, this is like a hood. This isn't like mm-hmm. museums and like shops and stuff. Like this community is still very much the same way that it was um, 500, 600 years ago. So it was a, it, it taught me a lot about um, the diaspora because you have, we as African-Americans um, and even Caribbeans to um, a lesser extent, but we're completely separated from our history, mm-hmm. right? So now in this day and age, through technology and, you know, curiosity and stuff, we're starting to kind of rediscover the diaspora and these cultures and these things that we were like so separated with. But when you look at this community, they have maintained that, you know, this entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. you know, things like that, being able to discover things like that, to be able to, you know, come on a podcast like this and tell you all about it so you can go there. And then when you get into town, they got a thing that says Black Lives Matter and I love being black, you know, because mm, wow. they know about us. Wow. Mm. You know what I mean? And we don't, but why, you know, we don't know about them, which is so, mm. um, you know, being able to kind of like, uh, you know, tell those, tell those stories and um, create those, you know, connections. I think right now it's just, such an amazing time to be able to do that, mm-hmm. you know. Man, I gotta go to Columbia. Yeah, we're going to Columbia. <laughs> I'm gonna take you. I don't even worry about that. <laughs> You're gonna see all my cousins that look just like y'all. <laughs> yeah. Just, just real quick. This is like the last question. Um, in in terms of your personal life, because like doing all of this research and having all of these awakenings and learning about these rituals and mm-hmm. cultures, how has it? How has this um enhanced the quality of your personal being? Yeah, man, like, um, uh, like a hundredfold because, you know, it's like, like I was saying earlier, when I, when I started tripping off of like how much I didn't know, Mm -hmm. it really kind of fucked me up a little bit. Like I was like, 
a little bit disappointed in myself because I was a very smart, confident person, well-educated and all that stuff. And you think that you know something. Mm. You think you know what it means to be black or you think you know about a lot of these things. And then um, <clears throat> it was actually by um, by um, just kind of studying reggae music mm. that um, I really got connected with um, with Africa because you know, people love reggae music and Bob Marley and all that type of stuff. But then when you start learning about the Rastafarians and their connection to Ethiopia mm. and Absolutely. all the political things that are happening in, in Kingston and all of these things, like that sent me on a rabbit hole where I'm like, I liked reggae music for five years, but I didn't really know what the message that they were like getting across. Mm. Um, so um, it really, I, it changed my life two ways. One, just personally being able to learn these things and in a sense that they gave context to everything else that I knew, even from just how you, you know, leave the house in the morning. And then my excitement for creating this brand is like, I want to bring black people there mm. with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the coolest part about like what I feel like I'm doing. Cause you know, it's like you discover this whole treasure chest. It's mm -hmm. like, you want to tell your homies to I'm come, sure. you know what I mean? So, um, it changed the quality of my life and just being able to on a daily basis have people reach out to me and what i'm hearing is like yo we're, we're headed there with you you know what i mean so and i'm still learning so everything that i our perspective for the brand is never like lecturing or like yo why you didn't know about this or write that it's mm -hmm. like i'll learn some shit and i turn around and i'm just teaching it to y'all like yo we, none of us knew about this you know what i mean so um yeah i think i think i've been a lot happier yeah, that's why, <laughs> man. Well, Aries, thanks so much for uh, yeah, incredible in. work. Definitely. Yeah, Where can we uh, find you on the, the socials? Yeah, so Black Arrow FC, um, everywhere you'll find us. If you glue, if you Google Black Soccer, we come up first. So <laughs> fire, I'm happy about that. <laughs> that's dope. That's yeah. what's up, man. Like we always say, this time, stay driven, y'all. Stay driven. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>